0: Kelowna, one of the most beautiful places in the world to live, surrounded by provincial parks, pine forests, vineyards, orchards, and mountains. Wouldn't it be great if there was a podcast about our love of Kelowna? Oh no, it's real. This is I Love Kelowna, an interview style podcast about the fabulous and fascinating people that make up our great city and the Okanagan. Intimate conversations with entrepreneurs, executives, thought leaders, creatives, and anyone who has an interesting story to tell about how they're contributing to our wonderful home. This is I Love Kelowna, and here's your host, Luke J. Minkus. So, Blake, i um, really glad to finally meet you. I've heard a ton about you, and you've got a great story to tell. So I want to thank you for your time today. Um, and you first came to Kelowna in 2003. So tell us a little bit about that story. How did you get here? So
1: in 2002, I was involved in a snowmobile accident that left me paralyzed. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was flown to uh, Vancouver General Hospital where I did all of my, had my surgery. And then I was in um, GF Strong, which is the rehab facility down there. Mm -hmm. And I happened to um, meet another uh, kid at the time that was injured um, a week after me and he was from Kelowna as well. So, um, we went through that whole process of, uh, rehab and physio and just, uh, trying to figure life out again together. I became really close with him and his family and, um, he was really struggling with dealing with being, uh, Paralyzed, mm-hmm. and so I kind of just took it on the chin and and moved on and his parents asked me if I would come up and mentor him for um some period of time and I didn't really have anywhere else to go because my home back in Calgary wasn't wheelchair accessible mm-hmm. my none of my family's homes were wheelchair accessible so i uh I moved up here and uh, I lived with them for a year and then um I've been here ever since and Fell in love with the place,
0: right? Most yeah. people do when they first come here. So, this, this friend of yours was he uh, well, he became a friend, yeah. Was he the same age as you? No, he or? was
1: 10 years younger than me, so I was younger. 28 and I think he was 19 when it happened to him. So, yeah, yeah just difference in uh, in age and and life experiences. Yeah. So, I was able to just uh, kind of take it on the chin and keep going. It's just my personality.
0: Some people react differently to, you know, things that happen. You never know how you're going to react to any of this
1: when it happens. It's one of those things where, so three days before I got paralyzed, I was sitting in my living room with my friends Mm -hmm. and uh, we were watching this show on a guy that had was doing sit skiing. Um, He'd been paralyzed. And and I looked at them and I'm like, if that ever happens to me, just kill me. I don't want to be like that. Three days later, I'm laying in the hospital paralyzed. And you never know how you're going to deal with it until it happens.
0: Yeah. So you were always an athletic person. Yeah. So this is really, you know, a shocking thing to have happen to anybody.
1: It was a very big change. Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: And you've accomplished so many things with your body since this accident um why don't you tell us some of the things that you've been able to do so uh
1: i've just always been one of those guys and i just sat there when it happened and i'm like i'm not going to let this beat me i'm just going to do everything that i still want to do i'll just figure out a different way to do it so the first thing i did was um six months to the day after my my injury i Swam across Okanagan Lake as a fundraiser. Wow, um, six months. Yeah, so I just started practicing swimming, and me and my buddy would just go like three days a week and just swim until <clears throat> I could, I could do the, uh, the lake. So I did from the old ferry docks to Main Beach, mm-hmm. and then um, I got back into working out, and I was training a lot. So I did. Um, I started looking at how I could be involved with the, the weightlifting for for the national team and maybe trying to get involved with the Olympics.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I was doing that, and um, and I was having trouble figuring out how to get involved with that because it's not that easy to find those channels. Mm-hmm. And while I was doing that, I I wanted to. Uh, do my dive instructor course. It's something that I'd always been involved with. Mm-hmm. So, so you,
0: you were a scuba diver. Yeah. Before.
1: Yeah. And I'd started to do my, uh, my dive master prior to my injury. Mm-hmm. So I went and looked at seeing if I could do that. And um, I got involved with a, there's a business here um, diving dynamics mm-hmm. and they said, yep, yeah, we'll figure out a way to make this work. So we went through the process with Patty of figuring out how I could actually do the course mm-hmm. and it would still be uh, in done in a way that I, I actually got the certification that everybody else did and it wasn't impeded or anything. Mm-hmm. And so we had to change some of the cur- curriculum with it and, um, and how we actually went about doing the training, but I had to do everything that everybody else did. Right. And so, so that's like
0: blanks in the pool uh, floating.
1: Yeah. Rescue okay. in the water, rescue, like yeah. towing people through the ocean, it, like while I'm swimming with one arm, the whole bit. So I ended up being the first person in the world to get certified as a dive instructor, as a paraplegic. Wow. So that was Amazing. super cool experience. It was five months of, of hell really (laughs)
0: right must be very very difficult it's it's very
1: intense and we were diving in the lake in in february and march so it was freezing cold and everybody else had dry suits and i couldn't have one because uh just the way dry suits work with your feet if they get air in them you'll float to the top and i couldn't spin myself around so i had a a wetsuit and it was uh not enjoyable
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'll bet so uh, did you get any? pushback from anybody like anybody saying this can't be done uh
1: no they were awesome about it they really wanted to see how to make it happen so um yeah the guys at diving dynamics did just an awesome the job of helping me get through it and my instructor wally at the time he's just like gung-ho with the whole thing so it was it was super cool
0: do you uh do you still dive yeah
1: Yeah, I still dive. Not as often as I was then. Um, It's just I don't want to dive in the cold water, so it's when I go on vacation that I'll I'll go diving. Right. Yeah,
0: I've gone diving in the Cayman Islands. Is there anything to see in this lake? I mean, it seems pretty murky from... Up above.
1: Yeah, there's not a lot in the lake, to be honest with you. I think I've done 110 dives. Right. I've seen about two fish. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so then it's pretty murky. Some rubber boots and some plastic chairs. Right. Yeah. There's a couple plot spots, actually. There's a. Uh, an old milk truck on mm-hmm. the west side that you can go dive at, and then um, up on the north end towards uh, Vernon, there's a like a paddle wheeler that's been sunk, so oh, cool. you can dive there as well. Which is
0: Have you ever gone to the tropics? Or
1: yeah, so when we were doing the course, we actually went to Grand Cayman for a month. Oh, beautiful. Um, I started my diving in Australia. That's when I originally did my first dives. So yeah. uh, I dove Australia, New Zealand, Fiji. Um, I've been lucky enough. Thailand, so I've Mm -hmm. been lucky enough to do quite a few places, Turks and Caicos.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Very cool. Do you know, have there been any other paraplegics that have gotten certified uh, since since then? I'm not
1: sure. Um, I I honestly don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So, and you've done wakeboarding, mountain biking. Uh, How do you mountain bike? As
1: so I have an off-road hand cycle and it's um, it's got suspension and that with it. So you basically, you can paddle up on it. It's got 24 gears and um, I do knocks quite often in the summer. And then you just come down. I've taken it up to Silver Star, mm-hmm. which is a rough ride. and uh, <laughs> But yeah, you just find ways around it. So yeah. as long as you have the ability to have those toys, then mm-hmm. you can do what you want to do. Very Which is cool. pretty cool.
0: Has the technology changed much since 2002?
1: Tons. Yeah. yeah. So
0: there's more devices and more well, things. You can so get. much
1: more available now. Yeah. yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, the first bikes, they were rigid frame bikes, and mm-hmm. now they're full suspension. So those are amazing to ride. They're so just...
0: what's the difference between a rigid bike and a suspension?
1: So anybody that does any mountain biking will know that uh, there's no... Uh, shocks or anything on a rigid frame Mm -hmm. and it takes quite a bit of toll on your body when you're especially because i'm using my arms as my shocks when i'm coming down Mm -hmm. so with the new bikes they have those full suspension bikes um with the independent arms and then the actual back has a shock in it as well so just just absorbs
0: much more comfortable and efficient i guess
1: much more comfortable right yeah
0: um Do you find, like, a lot of buildings are still not accessible, like, here in Kelowna and wherever you travel to? So, Kelowna is really interesting, and
1: it actually has the highest uh, wheelchair users per capita because it's so Mm. wheelchair-friendly. There's a few places here that, you know, uh, are a little bit hard to get into, but most people are always willing to give you a hand. Yeah. So uh, So,
0: you might have a couple of steps type of thing. Yeah, you might have a
1: couple steps or something that does it's a little bit more difficult to get into. Yeah. But for the most part, Kelowna is pretty accessible. Outside of Kelowna, um, I mean, it just depends on where you are. Yeah.
0: So, um, and I guess any new buildings have to be made accessible. Yeah,
1: the new buildings, they all have bylaws that they have to be accessible. So you never have any real issues with that. Right.
0: Right. I'm curious, your friend from two thousand two that his parents asked you to come and mentor him. Mm-hmm. what happened to him? so um he
1: he had like PTSD with his and he's. Was it a, a real Car accident. Okay. And so he struggled for quite a while. I'd say it took him about 10 years to kind of get through all of that, but he's uh, doing a lot better now.
0: Great. So. Is he still in Kona?
1: Yeah. Are you still friends? Yeah, he's born and raised here. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you still talk to about-
1: him? I still talk to him,
0: yeah. Nice. Well, and um, well, I had so many questions. Let's see. And I can, it's really easy to edit. It's time consuming, but it's easy. So don't worry.
1: Do you want want me to talk about the, uh, the
0: weightlifting? Yeah. Tell us about weightlifting.
1: Okay. So, um, I'd always been involved in bodybuilding and, and at the gym. So before I got injured and then once I got injured, um, I just went back to the gym and started working out and, uh. And then funny thing is my bench was just as much as it was before I got injured. Um, And so I started looking at competing and there was a girl here in town that was doing weightlifting. And she asked me if I would want to do like a weightlifting contest or Mm -hmm. bench bench contest. So I was like, sure, I'll go. And so I did that and I actually ran into um, one of the, National team coaches right uh, at that at that competition and he was working with a, a special uh, needs uh, individual mm-hmm. so I got some contact information and then I started uh, trying to figure out how I could maybe make the national team
2: mm-hmm.
1: so I did a bunch of competitions and then I actually got to the point where I qualified for the national team and that was awesome huh. so was super great experience to be able to travel around the world and, um, do different competitions. I did the Pan Pacific Paralympics in Australia. Mm -hmm. I did the worlds in, um, in Greece, which was a qualifier for the 2008 Olympics. And then, um, I competed at, there's another world event in Vegas. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was, it was just such an awesome experience to be able to travel and, and get to meet some other people that. We're doing the same things as you.
0: That's great. I bet you must be an inspiration to a lot of people. Because like your friend, at least at the start, I know a lot of people would be so devastated by this and kind of feel hopeless. And you just took life head on. I was just really
1: fortunate that I was in a place, um, good place mentally and emotionally when it happened. So I just taken a year off of uh work and was traveling and just came back i'd come up with this life motto that i wanted to live my life by and um like i said you never know how you're going to deal with it until it happens Mm -hmm. and i just i've never been one of those people to just sit back and curl up in a ball and let life beat me i just so you know if i inspire people that that's wonderful and I, i hope that i do um but i'm just living my life.
0: Yeah. Well, you've actually done some public speaking on these topics.
1: Yes. So what are, what are some of the
0: things you tell people?
1: Uh i mean the big thing really is that if if you're if you're in your this situation or you have any situation because the way i look at it is everybody has a disability, mm-hmm. mine's just visible. Right. We all deal with different things and it's all hard to deal with. So you just have to like accept those things and move on mm-hmm. and just do everything that you want to do. Right. It just figure out a way to do it.
0: Yeah. So true. So in 2012, you traveled to India for some treatments. Right. How did that go? Tell us about those
1: So I was doing some research online and I found out there was a doctor in India that was doing stem cell treatments Mm -hmm. and she'd had some success with, uh, paralysis. So I ended up actually reaching out to a guy from Victoria, Mm -hmm. um, that had gone and he'd got function back in, uh, his legs and he was able to stand with it. Wow. So, um, I contacted the doctor, asked if I could come out there, and um, I went out to India the first trip. Um, it was for two months, and they do stem cell treatments for those two months. You're doing physio three times a day.
0: So what what is stem cell treatments? Like, what are they doing to you?
1: So actually? there's different types of stem cells, but uh, she's using embryonic stem cells, and at the time we weren't allowed to do that in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they do is they do an epidural and they inject them into your spine. Okay. And then the theory is that they're going to regenerate your spinal cord and give you back function or movement or sensation. Um, and so they give you, there's five different stem cell treatments that they do throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once every. I think it's one every seven to 10 days, they'll do an epidural on you for three days. Okay. And so you want the epidurals because you get the most stem cells in those Mm -hmm. treatments, but you're laid up for three days because you're in in a bed. Right. Um, So I got, uh, after the first three weeks, I started getting function back in my right quad, which was amazing.
0: So what? What was the first thing that went through your mind when you could feel you could feel something? Or you no, I couldn't, couldn't feel anything. But you could move.
1: But I could move. So it's it was the weirdest thing because I'm laying there with the physiotherapist and he's saying, "Okay, push, 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 push," and I'm pushing and he's like, "Yes, yes, yes." And then I'm I look down and my legs moving and I. I I'm how the hell is that happening I can't feel it I I don't know what's going on so so
0: in your mind though you're trying to push yeah so I was
1: was trying to connect because I the one great thing for me was that because I'd been in bodybuilding I was really attached to my muscles and how they function so I could remember what it felt like so I just was remembering what it would be like to To use my quad to move my leg Mm -hmm. and then it started moving. So it was awesome. So I got my right quad back and then um, about a week later I got my left quad back. So I just did lots of physio on that. I came home. I was doing physio six days a week for the next nine months and then I went back again. When I went back again the second time I got my hamstrings back, more sensation.
0: So you started after a time. You started to actually feel things.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, like the sensation. It was different sensations. Um, so there's, was like
0: A different than what it used to be. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, but I, like it was sensation, um, it just in different areas and different spots. So I started to get some surface sensation back. There was like some muscle sensation. So it was very mixed bag of yeah of tricks. Really, do you
0: remember <laughs> the first time? You felt something? Do you, do you remember that? Yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: So it was um, it was my foot. Actually, we were doing physio, and I, I could feel when he was rubbing my foot. So, uh-huh. which was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um. So then, then what happened?
1: So uh, I went back for a third trip, and after the third trip, um, I came home and I was doing physio again six days a week. Um. And I just ended up getting to a point where uh, I wasn't getting any further ahead. Mm-hmm. So, and each time that I went it was fifty grand. It was a uh, wow. huge.
0: I was going to ask you like
1: financial, must be expensive. Was, yeah. So was... that's
0: flight and treatment, yeah. everything. 50 grand. fifty
1: grand for the for the treatment. Yeah. That you're there, wow. and then your flight and everything is on top. Yeah. So you fifty grand will give you the the treatment and your stay at her her a uh, hospital with food and accommodations and that. Right. Okay. But you, then you got to pay for your flight. So after three times and uh, like the six months down the road, I just wasn't getting any further ahead and I kind of had to make a decision if I was going to keep going with this or if I was going to call it quits. And I mean, I put in 110% and I just, it, I wasn't getting to the point where I could functionally use the movements. Right. Like, I wasn't going to be able to stand. I probably wasn't going to be able to walk. So,
0: so you kind of hit a wall with it. Hit a wall yeah. with it.
1: So yeah. then I had to uh, make a decision to yeah. say, okay, well, I tried. Right. And uh, it didn't happen. So
0: do you, um, looking back on that experience, do you regret spending the 150000 Or are you glad that you did it? No, I'm.
1: I'm glad that I did it because I always would have wondered what if. Right, and I don't ever want to have that in that the past, like wondering mm-hmm. what if. So it was really hard, and um, there was, it was actually more difficult to to give up that hope the second time than it was to be paralyzed the first time. Mm-hmm. So you know uh, that was a rough go for sure. Right. Yeah.
0: What were you doing for a living in 2002 before the accident?
1: So I had a general contracting company in Calgary. Okay. And, uh, yeah, my buddy of mine and I, we moved out there um, and doing that.
0: Right. And since then?
1: A um, number of things. So um, after I moved here, I was buying and selling houses, fixing and flipping them mm-hmm. for a little bit. And then um, I actually was working with a guy that I went to high school with out of um, Phoenix when that whole thing crashed. Right. And we were... Buying and selling places down in the States. It was like 08? No, no, like 12, 13,
0: 14. So after the crash.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we were just buying them at auction as basically one of those reality TV shows. Right. (laughs) But not on TV. And and then, yeah, just uh, fixing and flipping them. mm -hmm. Um, And then I did some currency trading after that for... Four and a half years, Mm -hmm. and now I'm uh, with TD as a mortgage specialist. Yeah, so
0: when did you become a mortgage specialist?
1: I've been doing this for uh two years and four months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so
0: it makes sense, right? Because you knew even from your contractor days, you knew about real estate, you knew about financing,
1: it's just a, a very different uh. Transformation, yeah, yeah, like from one side of it to the other. Yeah. From, from getting the lending to actually being the lender. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, has been challenging in the last year or so with all the new rules and the new taxes and. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of putting a damper on the market a little bit.
1: It's definitely put a damper on the market. Things have slowed down quite a bit. Um, the new rules have made it a little bit more challenging to get people qualified. Definitely, right? But um, there's still, you know, ways to make that happen. It's just
0: yeah. I I always like to tell people like we just have to adjust our expectations. If you were dreaming, you know, of a huge house, maybe it's going to be a little bit more modest house. But if your credit's good and you've got the employment history you can still get into a house it's just going to be a a lower price point than than we thought two years ago
1: right so that's kind of the the thing is you have people that had this idea of what their home was going to be and Mm -hmm. now it's they've had to adjust it and sometimes that people don't like that they don't like that that, yeah
0: (laughs) and i think it takes time to like um in my experience like recessions kind of last for a year or two and people adjust and then they you know they get uh, tired of sitting on the sidelines, yeah. And they want to get back into it. So it's reality, right? It's
1: just the way things go. Yeah. 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 They say there's seven year cycles in the, in the housing market. So
0: yeah, it seems to me. Yeah. Any predictions for 2019 for real estate? Uh,
1: no, I don't want to do that. There's no. Cri- <laughs> there's no crystal ball. So. All right. <laughs> I'm not going to put that out there.
0: Awesome. Um. Is there anything else? Uh, we didn't cover it. I think we covered... Everything. Yeah, we covered lots. Um, yeah. About so 23 minutes, so that's kind of perfect. Yeah, sure. Um, Blake, who would you like to nominate to come on the show?
1: So, uh... My thoughts is that uh, Justina Lee Stolls, she's a realtor at Century 21. Uh Um, She's awesome and really involved in the community and doing a lot for Kelowna. Yeah. Um, She loves it here just as much as I do. So I think she'd be great for you to have a conversation with.
0: Yeah, I know Justina, so I think that would be great. Yeah. Well, Blake, thanks again for your time and uh, hope to see you around. Yeah, thanks, Luke. I appreciate it.
2: Luke Mankus is a realtor. He loves what he does. We asked Luke if he had any regrets about moving here in 2011, and he always says, yeah, one regret, and that is he didn't move here sooner. When Luke came here, he didn't know anyone. He didn't know the neighborhoods or anything or anyone besides his daughter, who was six years old at the time. So he knows what it's like. Now, he's an expert and has helped well over 100 single people, couples, families, and investors with their real estate needs in the Okanagan. If you're new to our beautiful city, Lou can help you get connected with great lawyers, dentists, carpenters, landscapers, swimming pool installers, you name it. And whether you're new to Kelowna or not, Luke knows real estate. He can help you find a great property, negotiate a good deal, and hold your hand all the way through the process until the day you get your shiny new set of keys. Luke is known as a no-pressure kind of guy. He's had clients where it took even a year or more to get them into a property. He just doesn't believe in rushing things. On the other hand, when you decide it's time to act, he's diligent and he'll work day and night until the job is done. Give Luke Make Us a call or a text message at any time, 778-215-4273. Again, that's 778-215-4273, 778 215 4273 to chat with Luke about real estate.